At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We eagerly wait with anticipation for the return of Jesus, when He will make everything wrong, right. In a way, He's always reigned over all things, but on the other hand, His saving grace has received pushback and rejection from the evil of this world. Join us in our new series, Thy Kingdom Come, His Reign in Our Lives where we'll learn what the reign of Jesus truly means for us believers and how we, as the body of Christ, can continue spreading his name until he returns. So one of the big questions I want to ask this morning in in light of identifying our elders and our staff is how will we do that work of our mission to help people belong to Christ, to grow in Christ, to reach the world for Christ? How will we do that work as as a church family? Or or to say it another way, how will Jesus' reign through the local church move forward in the world? How will those who don't know Jesus, who are far from him, who, who stand even outside of this building this morning without knowing Christ, how will they come to know that Jesus is the king and that they will bow their hearts and lives to him and follow him as their king? Well, let me ask you to think about it this way. Imagine you are the ruler. You're, you're a king or a queen, and, and you've been given a great and vast kingdom or domain. It's all yours, and, and you get to rule it. And, and in your kingdom, in your domain, there is there's loyal subjects, people that are really for you. They are so glad that you are the ruler, and they are, they are eager and excited to see you rule and lead them well. And yet, throughout your kingdom as well, there are folks that are not positively for you. Uh, in fact, they are opposed to your reign. They don't want to see you succeed. They don't want to see you on the throne. In fact, they are traitors and rebels And they seek to create a rebellion and stir up an uprising against you. They are divisive and destructive and and they disobey your laws and they they seek to dishonor your name and and they're just trying to pull everybody they can to their side. Now let me ask you, if you're that ruler, how would you go about handling those rebels? I mean, what would you do to to bring everyone and everything in your kingdom into subjection under you, under your reign, to see peace and harmony throughout your kingdom so that everybody knows and acknowledges you're the king and you rule? Some of us might choose, uh, this might be my favorite option, some of us might choose the military option, right? We're going to raise up an army. We're going to get our tanks and our bombs and our guns, and we're going to blow them all up and eradicate them from the face of our kingdom. We're going to just beat the rebels into the ground and smash them down, and then we'll know, everybody will know, we have power. and We're in charge, and if you don't like it, you're toast. That, that might be a preferred option for some of you. Some of you might say, well, that's just, that's rude. That's harsh. Like, diplomacy is the better action, right? Let's, let's, use, let's use political cunning and compromise, and, and let's work it out democratically. And, you know, we'll give a little bit, and they'll give a little bit. And we'll just come to the middle and compromise and, and figure it out, and everybody will be happy, and, and we'll get the submission that we want. And, and so let's just leverage that through diplomatic means. There's another option, but, but what if I were to tell you you were advised. Somebody came to you and, and said, you know what? Here's the thing. Just tell everybody you rule. Like, like raise up some people to go th- all throughout your kingdom, all throughout your dominion, and say, hey, the king rules, the queen rules, and, and you just need to follow along. 
Tell those rebels in charge they just need to repent of their insubordination, lay down their arms, and come be your loyal subjects. And that's how it works. Like, that's all you do. You go throughout the kingdom just telling people the king rules, get on board with him. Would that, would that work? Would just, would just sharing the word of your reign, that you're the king or the queen, advance that reign? Like, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you're right. I guess I'll follow you now. Like, would that happen? Okay, so here in Mark 4 this morning in the series called Thy Kingdom Come, we've been looking at the reign of Jesus, his kingdom, his kingship. And, and Mark is really clear. He, he likes to focus our, our minds and our hearts to answer the question, who is Jesus? That's a decision that everybody has to come to. It's a question that's raised to every one of us. Who is Jesus Christ? What do we make of him? What do we think of him? So chapter 4 here, Jesus has been teaching about our hearts. And he's been using this parable, teaching by means of a parable. And a, a parable isn't just a story with a moral at the end of it, like Aesop's fable. A parable is a, is a story or a, a decree from a ruler, from a king, to exert their authority and to drive home the point that they are the authority. So earlier in G chapter 4, Jesus has compared our hearts to soil, right? He's talked about how, our, uh, how different our hearts can be. Some of our hearts can be rather hard to the word of King Jesus, and some of our hearts can be like real thorny places where the word sinks in and it starts to grow, but then it's choked out by the, by the things of this world. But in our text this morning, Jesus, in teaching in parables, he continues to talk about how this, this good news of him being king advances or spreads, and to set up that point, Jesus gives us another illustration, maybe another parable about the reality that his kingdom will advance no matter what. So he says with me, and you can look there in verses 21 to 23, he starts asking some rhetorical questions, and he expects the answer to be obvious to us. He's like, is, it, is a lamp brought in, so you're in a dark room, and somebody brings in a lamp, and, and do you bring in that lamp in that dark room in order to put it under a basket or to hide it under your bed? No, that's dumb, right? You want the light to shine. So what do you do? You put the light, you put the, the lamp up on a stand. It's obvious there. The light is intended to shine everywhere. Or another illustration. Jesus says you go and play hide and seek, right? Is the hide and seek game supposed to be just so that you can leave the thing that's hidden hidden? Well, no, not at all. You play hide and seek to find the thing, to see the thing that was hidden, whether it's a person or an object or whatever it is, be brought out into the open. That the secret, be, the mystery becomes revealed and known. I know that there's probably some kid who's now probably somewhere in his 40s who's playing hide and seek somewhere 30 years ago and still hasn't been found, right? Like Jesus says, that's not how it works. You hide and then you seek, you bring him out into the light. So Jesus is asking these questions uh, about his kingdom and he's saying, if anyone has an ear, let him hear because this is how his kingdom advances. He is the light of the world. And he should be shining out. He shouldn't be hidden and set aside, buried under a bed somewhere. He should be known. He is the great secret, the mystery of God that has been revealed so that the world might know that he is the king and the savior. It's a matter of his rule and his reign being shared with everyone. Or another way to say it is that Jesus' reign advances through his shared word. If he's the lamp, we shine his light. If he's the mystery, we tell the secret. But it seems really odd to us. Some of you were just shaking your head when I was asking, is that, does that work just to, to share that, that he is the king? Does just going out into the world, telling people, telling them the good news of Jesus Christ, is that, is that how the gospel advances? 
I mean, wouldn't it be easier if like, we got the military out and we raised up an army of soldiers? If we did a little politics and you know, Jesus compromised a little bit and we compromised a little bit and then all of us just get to the point where we say, hey, Jesus is king? No, no, no. Jesus says here, he is the king. And he is the light that is to be shared in all the world. And that's how his reign advances. That's how the gospel spreads. That's how the kingdom of God grows. Now in that, the rest of this, principle, or this passage contains some principles for us. It's meant here for us to think about how are we sharing Jesus? How are we communicating? If, if Jesus' reign advances through the shared word of God, we've got to think about are we doing that? How are we doing that? What does that work like, look like in our own lives? And so I want to share with us this morning these principles that Jesus gives about encouraging our own sharing of his reign. And, and particularly, I want to encourage our elders and staff who were just up here a moment ago for us to think deeply about this, about how we do ministry and how we as a whole church advance the gospel together. How will the world that doesn't know Jesus, who is the king, come to know that he is the king? So Jesus has three principles for us about knowing and sharing his reign as king. The first principle here is in verses 24 and 25. It's a personal principle. Jesus goes to work on us before he employs us to go and to serve. Jesus has said, his light will shine. He is the lamp. He is the one shining. It will go out into the world. And if we have ears to hear, we should hear. We should pay attention to him. Before he, but before he goes on to talk about how we should share the word, he focuses on how the word is at work in our own lives first. We can't share something that we don't possess. We can't give away something that we don't already have within our hearts as lives and lives ourselves. So this principle is about the depth of our own hearing and the participation of the word of God in our own lives. The principle is this, deeper leads to greater. Deeper leads to greater. So Jesus says in verse 24, pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. In that, he's saying, listen up. When you hear the word of God, lean in. Be, be a careful student, a follower of the word. Give discipline and effort and energy and taking in and examining the word of God. Pay attention to what you hear. And then he, and he uses a metaphor here to help describe what this looks like. Think about a measuring cup, he says. Think about a measuring cup, and, and the bigger or smaller the measuring cup, the bigger or smaller the yield you will get from that. If you take a measuring, big measuring cup, dip it into a bag of flour, you're going to get a lot of flour. Take a little measuring cup, dip it into a bag of flour, you're going to get a little bit of flour. Here it is. Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, digging into the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, it'll be measured back to you, and still more will be added the size that you use, Jesus says, will result in the size of the yield you will receive. So if you pay attention deeply to God in his word, you'll reap and yield great results from his promises. But if you're stingy with God in his word, you won't yield much. You'll just get very little, if anything at all. Verse 25 puts it in another way. Jesus says, For the one, to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus, Jesus is saying here that the person who has more, because they acquired it through the listening and receiving of the word of God, again, Jesus says, pay attention to what you hear. The person who has more, that big measure, they will gain more 
because they have kept going to the well of God's word and drawing up big measures of his grace. I mean, the, the measuring cup, as it were, gets bigger and bigger and bigger. They keep going and going, and so the one who has, more will be given. But the person who neglects the word, the one who has little or not, even what he has will be taken away. The person who neglects the word, who doesn't listen up, who doesn't pay attention, who doesn't dive in deep, what they have will not even benefit them. They won't even have anything. Tom Wright, a New Testament scholar, he puts it this way. He says, if we grasp what Jesus is saying and go deeper and deeper into it, we'll get more and more from it. But if we remain at a superficial level, like the crowds of Jesus' day, we'll even lose the sense of God doing something new in our midst, which we have at present. Deeper leads to greater. I mean, think about investors, right? Those guys and women on Wall Street. They don't make a lot of money just by stingy investments, penny stocks, that sort of thing. What do they do? They pay attention to the movements of the markets. They know and research hard and well the companies that they're thinking about investing in. They're paying attention to cultural events and those sorts of things and looking intently and deeply at what's going on so that when the moment hits, they can invest big in order to yield big. And they make billions of dollars doing it. They reap a huge reward. If we want to see the mission of the gospel advance, if we want to see the reign of Jesus go forward in our life, people belong to Christ and grow in Christ and reach the world for Christ, it has to start with that own advance in our own lives, which means we must mine deeply God's grace, which he's given us in his word. Pay careful attention to what you hear. Now, that doesn't mean you need to go to seminary or Bible college or get a higher theological degree in order to be a deep Christian. But it does mean, and God has given to us, all of us, that we should be intently listening to, studying, believing, and obeying God's word. The gospel word is here for each of us today. So, so if, you're, if you're not diving in, if you're not drinking up what God is saying and his grace for you from the word you're not going to yield much depth in your life. Here's the practice that I think is so important for us. We, we need to give space daily to listen to Jesus' word going deeper. I, I hope that you have a, a habit, a practice of just opening Scripture and saying, God, speak today. You don't have to read chapters upon chapters, but, but taking in the word of God, going deeper so that you can experience Jesus' reign in your life more fully, greater. Deeper leads to greater. But again, if you neglect the word of God, if you neglect the gospel, you won't experience and reap the rewards of the advance of his gospel in your life. Again, we cannot give what we don't possess. So leaders that I just had up here just a moment ago, we've got to go deep in the word of God so that we can shepherd and give away well to this people, to the world, the riches of God's grace. Church family, you've got to go deep in order to experience the greatness there. So principle one deals with our participation in sharing the word of God. It's personal. It goes right to our hearts. Deeper leads to greater. 
Okay, here's principle two. Jesus keeps going, though, and he says, what about how we do this, okay? So as we take in God's word and we experience and reap up the riches of his grace and promises in his word, how do we get that word out? What does that look like there? And this is the second principle. It's that faithful leads to fruitful. Okay, so Jesus tells another parable. This is verses 26 to 29. And he said this, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. We might go, oh, I've heard this story before, right? The guy scatters the seed, and look, at there's these four different types of soil, and, and there it is. But Jesus isn't talking about soil here in this parable. He's talking about the sower, the, the guy who's scattering seed on the ground. And here's the picture that he gives. This guy sleeps and rises night and day. So you imagine him going out into his field, and he's got his seed, and he's just scattering it all over the place there, just scattering it everywhere. How does it grow? How does it come to fruition? He doesn't know, right? He just does his job. He's a farmer, and he's been given a field. He bought a field, and he's got grain, and he wants to yield a harvest. How does he do that? Well, you got to scatter the seed first, right? If you don't scatter seed, nothing's going to grow. There will be no fruit. But he goes, and he scatters it. And yet, Jesus says, there's a mystery here, at least to the sower. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The farmer who has scattered the seed is seeing time pass. And growth is happening. But it's not because he's manipulating or managing the growth of that plant. It's not because he's cleverly engineered something in some unique way. Just to him, it's happening. There it is. The seed has been scattered. The, the, the plant is growing. The grain is growing. Verse 28. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. The plant just grows. The earth is producing it, not the farmer. And so Jesus says in verse 29, when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The grain ripens and it's time for the, harvest, or the sower to go and do the work of the harvest. Now what would this parable show us? The principle is that faithful leads to fruitful. That's what the kingdom of God, Jesus says, is like. Faithful leads to fruitful. We live in a very results-driven society. We want to see the product completed immediately and, and, and get exponential rewards from our work. Results, results, results. But I'm reminded of a missionary, William Carey, first uh, Western missionary to India with the gospel. He labored in India for seven years before he had one person trust Jesus and become a follower of Christ as a Christian. You might think, well, that's, boy... That's no good work at all. But I'm reminded through this that this is the way the gospel works. We're just called, if we're being faithful, to scatter the seed, to sow the seed. The seed is the gospel, the word of God. We're called to be faithful to sharing that gospel word with everyone we can. But God is the one who gives the growth. Like it's a mystery to us in many ways. Like how did, how did that person become a Christian? How did they grow in Christ? Like, well, they heard the word of God, and they responded, and they believed. But someone was responsible to share and to scatter that word with them. God gives the growth. God gives the yield. So what that means is we must be faithful to sharing the word of God. That's our part. That's our responsibility, to let people know about Jesus through his gospel. There's a lot of tactics, a lot of methods that can be employed to grow a big crowd and to make a big splash but Jesus' kingdom advances through his shared word. So we're called to be faithful to that method of ministry. 
Paul says in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing, which we desire everyone to come to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So we have to see ourselves, as all of us, as sent missionaries to our neighborhoods and networks and speak the gospel word. We'll let God do the work of giving the growth, but we'll be ready to eager and eager to uh, reap a harvest. Friends, being faithful means like we need to pray to this end, build relationships to this end, and work by actively speaking to this end. Again, faithfulness leads to fruitfulness. I think about Paul, who was addressing the Corinthians and their craziness. Like, they, they wanted the celebrity preacher. So, like, half of the Corinthian church was like, hey, we want Paul to be our preacher. And the other half was like, no, 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 we want Apollos to be our preacher. And then there was the really spiritual ones in the church who were like, we want Jesus to be our preacher. And Paul says, enough of that, right? He says, one plants, another waters, but who gives the growth? God. But we can't expect growth if we aren't faithful to plant, and to water. So principle two is about the method of the advance of the kingdom of God. Faithful leads to fruitful. Are you being faithful in sharing the gospel with those who don't know Christ? Are you being faithful in sharing the gospel with one another in your life groups and helping see each other grow? Okay, principle number one, deeper leads to greater. Principle number two, faithful leads to fruitful. One more principle here about how we see the kingdom of God advance. And it's counterintuitive. It's just not the way we think. Again, Jesus makes a comparison for the sake of illumination. I love this question in verse 30. He said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? How would you answer that question? That question? With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Well, I would think like, okay, we would compare it to like a giant metropolis city. It's like covering the planet. Like that would be like the kingdom of God. Or, or the kingdom of God is as big as the galaxy, like encompassing everything. Some of you are like, the kingdom of God would be like a Taylor Swift concert where like everybody's there. It's just, just awesome. But is that, that's not how Jesus compares it. Jesus completely turns it up on its head. He picks out something really, 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 really tiny and small. He says, it's like a grain of mustard seed. Have you seen a mustard seed before? It's like a sesame seed, right? Okay, like it's just that tiny, just little. It's the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. He's just speaking proverbially here. And yet, this little tiny seed, when it's sown, when it's scattered, all of a sudden it grows up. It becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Here's this tiny teeny, teeny little seed down on the ground. And, and if it's there on the ground, it's overlooked, it's forgotten, trampled upon. I mean, you just wouldn't notice it. And yet when it grows, it, it just grows bigger than everything else. All the garden plants, and it puts out these large branches. And Jesus even says, like, the birds come, and they take shelter and refuge and shade in those branches. Now, here's what he's saying. While the kingdom of God may appear ignorable now, small, insignificant, and it even seemed to begin that way, it will grow, the kingdom of God will grow to become an unignorable, expansive, all-encompassing kingdom. Today, the kingdom of God might seem like it's weak and lowly and worthless, just not interesting, not fancy, but when the kingdom of God comes to full expression, 
It'll be strong and noble, great value to many, glorious. Now notice here that Jesus isn't just speaking about a kingdom or a domain. I think Jesus is speaking about himself here. He is the mustard seed. Think about it. In his incarnation and in his full humanity, he is the seed that's so small and it's overlooked and he's ignored. Nazareth, can anything come good come from Nazareth? I mean, he was born in this little town of Bethlehem and nobody was just out of the way. Nobody knew. And yet in his humble birth and his ordinary life, that fits the metaphor completely of this mustard seed. Jesus, as he talks about the seed being sown into the ground, points directly to his death and burial. He's the one who said that, that a seed must be sown into the ground to death before it brings life. With Jesus' resurrection and ascension, he has been given the glory and the name that is above every name. Jesus is the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the one who provides refuge for the weary nations care for those who are broken, refreshment and life that we all desperately need. It's Jesus' life that illustrates the way that the small and ordinary are positioned in the kingdom to become expansive and great. And this is why he tells us this. We cannot overlook the small sharing of God's word in our lives today. We're just prone to a culture that says big, fast, famous celebrity. They'll get it out. They'll do it. Did you hear about the revival that happened at Asbury University this last year in February? Asbury University is a uh, small Christian college in Whitmore, Kentucky. And this this revival, this work of the Holy Spirit broke out on their campus after a a chapel sermon. And and in that community, uh, students began to repent and place their faith in Christ and grow. And just this chapel service like went on for weeks and weeks and weeks, unending, unabated. Thousands of people started flocking to Asbury University to see what was going on. They wanted to check it out. Some celebrity Christians kind of showed up and tried to offer their services. In some ways, like get their name on the bill. You know, like, hey, God and me did this, whatever. But what stood out to me was how ordinary and unimpressive it was in its start. The university did a great job of protecting and caring for the revival and the students there so that it was seen as a work of God, not of humanity. And it wasn't a famous pastor who came in and like preached his guts out and the Holy Spirit fell and like started this revival. Uh, I, I, I don't even know the name of the guy who preached that first sermon that the Lord used to bring about this revival. I did read in the, in the uh, paper that he thought his own message was a dud. He gets up there and he preaches, and and he says, he texted his wife after preaching, and he said, just in his text, latest stinker, I'll be home soon. He told the newspaper he totally whiffed on the sermon. I know what he feels like. And yet, God worked and moved. It was that humble message in Romans 12 that was used by God to break into a multitude of college students' lives and bring about significant transformation and growth. So let me be clear here, okay? The kingdom of God will not come about through political power and prominence of D.C. or politicians or any of that. I, I don't think celebrities will bring in revival and true movement of the Spirit of the Lord. Don't despise the little, ordinary, small, faithful things of the kingdom because that's where true power and growth comes. I mean, I I, I think 
that the overlooked yet faithful stay-at-home mom who disciples her children to know and love Christ has more kingdom power than the office of the President of the United States. I think the single young adult who faithfully shares what Jesus has done in his life uh, to those around him as friends, I think he has more kingdom influence than the most learned philosophers and professors teaching thousands. I think the family that lives in their neighborhood and just seeks to be faithful to Jesus and share the love and kindness of God with those around them has more kingdom influence than the greatest politicians and civic servants. I think that those who work faithfully in their jobs, who love Jesus and share with their coworkers that Christ is the way, have deeper impact eternally than the greatest influencers on TikTok. It's the small, ordinary everyday means of sharing God's word that leads to expansive movement and growth. And friends, this is for every one of us. You don't have to be a person of power or fame or glory. Every follower of Jesus can and should be able to share that mustard seed good news of the gospel. That God is gloriously good and he loves us and he created us for his glory and for relationship with him, but we turned and rebelled against him, and yet in his love, he sent his son on our behalf, who came and died in our place, so that everyone who turns to him will be loved and received forever and ever, will make it home. That's the small seed of the gospel that we can share in the fields the Lord has given us to labor in. So let me close with this. If, if Jesus' reign advances through the shared word, then we need to see the principles of how that works. Deeper leads to greater, faithful to fruitful, small to expansive. And this is a call for every one of us to be sowers of the gospel word in our lives. So maybe the question isn't, how will you go about sharing the message of King Jesus? Maybe the question is, who are you going to share the message of King Jesus with? Who's that? Just think small. Who's that one person? That one friend or coworker or neighbor or family member or client or associate that, that you will deeply love, that you'll faithfully care for and, and share in ordinary, small ways that Jesus is the king and that he has given himself for them. Who's that one that you will share with? Let's not hide the light under the basket. Let's not keep Jesus hidden as a secret. But let's put him on a stand. Let's let his light shine in our lives for all the world to see. And the kingdom of God will advance. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for King Jesus who's come and given himself for us. Thank you that we're all invited into the sharing and scattering of the gospel seed into the world. So, Lord, may we go deeper into knowing and receiving and paying attention to your word. Would we be faithful with your word to, to share it, to labor well for you? And might we not diminish the small things, Lord, but might we be faithful and take the small truth of the gospel and share it with everyone we can? Would you bless us in that? And would we see your kingdom advance and your name exalted, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. 
We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.